Hello and welcome to the Broski Cast. The brother from another pro wrestling podcast is back. And this week we are talking the 15 greatest feuds in pro wrestling history. Why 15, you ask? Because there's been too many great feuds in the, throughout the years that we just couldn't narrow it down to 10. Join with me, as always, is the Kevin Von Eric to my Carrie Von Eric, Mr. Jason Salzman. Jay, how are we doing tonight? Oh my God, I'm glad you're alive. Carrie has done gone on to that squared circle in the sky. God bless his heart. But I'm good, brother. Thanks for uh, having me tonight. And I'm um, so glad to be on the Broski cast again. We're growing. We're getting people out there that are asking about us, wanting to be a part of the program. And that's all good, man. We want to be the universal champs in the state of Oklahoma in podcasting. That's right. That's the only way to be. Um, yeah, we have a, a great um great show tonight um yeah i'm really excited about it um man feuds we we had a little bit of a tough time narrowing it down but i think yeah i think the listeners are gonna uh enjoy uh the list we put to uh together tonight i think so too it's got a little bit of everything it's got some different eras it's got some different dynamics some are tag team feuds some are uh wrestling feuds some are wrestling feuds that turned into real life feuds that then spilled into wrestling feuds so um it's really cool it's a good list and i think there's a lot of things on there that we um can talk about and a lot of things that um are very interesting as far as some of the dynamics and some of the storytelling that was used in some of these feuds um was just really incredible it's really what drove it um and in 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 any good in any good wrestling program um, the storytelling is what drives it. So I think that, that that's why you see that so evident in a lot of these feuds. All right, man. If, uh, I, I say let's, uh, let's kick it off. Um, usually, right into this. usually we have honorable mentions, but since we have 15, that's not the case this week. Um, no. Number 15, um, it's probably going to be a little controversial um, amongst the smart marks out there, but we felt that it needed to be included and we felt like it was a pretty good feud. And this feud, many people are going to think that, Oh, it's from 2016 on. And that's just not the case. Cause it actually started back in 2010. Uh, we have the feud of Daniel Bryan and the Miz. Yeah. And I think this was, <clears throat> I think this is probably some of Miz's best promo work, which is incredible considering that he's always been a really great promo. Um, I think he's always been able to get heat on himself. And uh, I thought, I thought this was his finest hour as far as Mike work, Um, his whole program with Daniel, both back in 2010, as you said, and then, coming on in 2016 it always it always seemed to me like Miz had Daniel Bryan circled and sort of you know he was the guy he was going to build himself off of that's just what it seemed like to me well I mean they did a good job in 2010 because back when they had the whole back before NXT was a brand back when it was a a show they made all these guys that were um indie darlings who weren't mm-hmm. known to the masses, which right. is a, to me is a slap in the face to Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan had been working his ass off on the indies for the past almost 10, 10, 11 years, whatever it may be. Yeah. But he was supposed to be presented to the wrestling audience as this rookie when he, when he really wasn't. But yeah. uh, the Miz was his, his pro. So they built off that. And yeah. 
Um, but yeah, they built off that. They had like a little bitty of little bit of feud going from 2010 2011. Then Miz kind of took off with the whole um, cashing in money in the bank and winning against Randy, and then main eventing WrestleMania against John Cena um, and WrestleMania uh, 27, I believe it was. Um, and then you really didn't see that until uh, Daniel Bryan had to retire from the ring, and we got to see that great promo that the Miz cut on uh, talking smack or whatever, whatever that was. They did a little yeah, after. Yeah. Where it just came off as real and whether or not it was real or not, it was, it was believable enough to the wrestling audience um, that it, it just built a good amount of heat. Yeah. And I think, I think that it did what it needed to do, but I think there's probably a little bit of, I don't know. I wouldn't say hard feelings or realism to the max in there because I'm sure that they are are really, you know, are fine and, and everything like that. But <clears throat> um, you could kind of maybe think or assume that because, look, as you said, it's it was kind of weird. And I'm sure Miz, through no fault of Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson or whatever you want to call him, but um through no fault of Daniel or the, even the Miz, or maybe it's just circumstantial that, you know, Daniel did, he paid his dues. He, he came up in indie wrestling. He worked his butt off, worked his butt off, developed a following, a cult following really. And then here you have Miz. It's sort of always just kind of been an entertainer that yeah. liked wrestling. And, and, you know, he, he'd play the heel wrestler on the real world and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. And he just sort of came into WWE, and, and like you said, in, in 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 you know through, I believe didn't Miz come in through Tough Enough too? He did. That's right. He was yeah. on the yeah. I want to say the third or fourth season. It was when okay. they were doing. They had him on SmackDown or something, but yeah, they had Tough Enough. But yeah. you know, but you know how kind of like you remember a, a few years back, and I know I hate to bring up country music to a to a metalhead like you, but. <laughs> I, I remember Eric Church being kind of like, not, not like, he didn't have the most glowing remarks to give to like people that won American Idol or like the country, you know, contest show, the contest shows, right? He yeah. he was like, man, here I've been in Nashville, I've been busting my ass, I've been blah blah blah, and you guys just win a contest and then blah blah blah, and so. I think you know there was a little bit of that going on, and then that Miz realized that, and maybe though even though he was maybe not conscious of it, I'm sure that was kind of in there too. So it kind of like put this underlying theme of hostility between those two. And to those guys' credit, they went out and and made it happen. You know, they really delivered, and they had some great matches too. Yeah, see, they didn't have a whole lot of matches during their feud, but when they did have matches, they made the most of it, and um, they went out there and tried to steal the show as much as they could um, whenever they were given the green light to go. Um, I like your little analogy about Eric Church because, fun little sidebar here, I I actually do like Eric Church. I think he's one of the only country music artists that I actually like, but yes, you're right, strictly metal, but... You just don't like bro country. And neither I don't do like I. bro country. No, I, I don't can't like stand bro. it. Have you heard yeah. the new Toby Keith song? Uh, it's that's country, bro. I have not. No, it's it's really bad. It, it's really. I mean, I know what he's trying to do, but it's it's so bad. God, it's it's. I tell you how bad it is. It's worse than some of the stuff that WWE is putting out right now. Ooh, that's yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. 
it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. It, they, it's so bad. Like, uh, we may have to do an entire Broski cast on how just angry I am that they put Taker and Goldberg out there to literally almost kill two senior citizens out there because they can't draw anything else. They have to use Taker at like 80 years old and Goldberg at like 85. And it's like, you know, who's going to be the first to break? I love the guy. I love both guys. Okay. I'm not trying to talk crap, but man, God. Anyway, we'll move on, but maybe, maybe no, an entire broski cast. No, no, you're there. right. That's what I was about to say. Maybe we'll do that. And you no, know, that is bad. <laughs> that, that is bad, but I'll, I'll tell you what. And the 24 seven title. I just, I'm yeah. not even going to get started. Yeah. I mean, Bray Wyatt's Funhouse. I'm just, I'm just so put off. I'm just so put off. Yeah. Anyway, I actually, I actually dig the Funhouse, but you know, with all oh, that other okay. stuff, okay. yeah, uh, with all the other stuff, that is bad. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you that. I, but I, I don't want to get off. So no, 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 I don't either. But that was bad. But um, I'll tell you what wasn't bad. Um, our next feud, and this lasted yes. from, whew, from about 2002. I want to say from the summer of 2002 to about the early part of 2004, um, arguably two of the biggest names this uh, the pro wrestling business has ever seen. Um, uh, the founding founding fathers of Degeneration X, you had Triple H and Shawn Michaels um, from 2002 to 2004. Man, what a time to be a wrestling yeah. fan. Oh, big time. And correct me if I'm wrong, bro, but this kind of started with the – was it the SummerSlam match when Michaels like wrestled in jeans with like short hair? Was um, it when he came back and they had the street fight or whatever? They did, they did, um, but it it, yeah. it happened a couple weeks before that. They had um, before that. Okay, it was during this weird time that Shawn Michaels. They had Shawn Michaels coming in sporadically. I think when they reformed the NWO after Hogan had turned babyface, uh, Kevin Nash and Shawn or Kevin Nash and. Uh, Scott Hall were still like running the NWO and every week there'd be a new member kind of like old WCW but they put Shawn Michaels in there for two weeks and then he kind of just disappeared and he came back and then they teased that hey we're going to get DX back together and then right as they're doing the whole let's get ready to suck it you know that thing then you know Triple H hit him with a swerve and then the next next week he tried to play it he beat him up in the parking lot tried to play it off like Oh man, I don't know who it was, and then they really bad back in two thousand two digitized his, the camera digitized Triple H, and you could see the Triple H shirt, and it all came to life. Right, but yes, yeah. you are right. It did did jumpstart at SummerSlam two thousand two, and yes, Shawn Michaels was rocking a pair of jeans and a life beater. That's right, and yeah. I just remember thinking. Um, I remember thinking, you know, that's this is kind of crazy because it was really Shawn's first time back in a match in a long time you know he had the back injury that probably you know could have could have really for all intents and purposes and maybe should have um ended his career right then and there um you know taking the bump on the casket and everything like that um and and then and then you see him again and but he but he but he was like revitalized you know what i mean he read they went out and had a great match um kind of brought him back to the forefront and it was a way to also continue to build triple H and they went from there and kept it rolling. And, you know, they say those, you know, those, you know, I could see where, you know, being such good friends, they just bring the best out in each other. And it seemed like night in and night out, 
all the TVs, all the tapings, everything. They just kind of forwarded that, kept it rolling, kept the momentum going. And, you know, with, go- with guys like that, they can also go out there and deliver. You've got arguably the greatest worker of all time. We'll get into that on a coming up Broski cast. You've got arguably the greatest worker of all time. And then you've got Triple H that certainly is no slouch. I mean, he, I wouldn't say he's at a Michaels or Hart or Chris Benoit type of level like that, but he was he's certainly good in the ring when he's not tearing a quad or a peck or anything like that. And so, I mean, they they just got it done. You're talking about two of the biggest names who have obviously have chemistry and that's what you need in a great feud and, and those guys delivered. No, I completely agree with you. Um Triple H, you're right. He's not he's a good worker, but he's not like in, in that echelon that you just described. But he is right. He's a down and dirty, kind of gritty type worker and that's he can get in there and he can have possibly the best um tech he can be the best technician with you or he can get in there and he can just slug it out or he can have a great you know like a down and dirty fight and yeah that first what's so crazy too is like you can you i'm sorry but no you're good it's 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 so obvious that he's he was trained by killer kowalski Mm -hmm. he's such a killer kowalski like type of clone you know what i mean just kind of this banger that's that all that's also pretty astute um in, in the game uh shameless pun there but um but also just you know um just understands the business so well you know the understands ring psychology so well um and that's what made him really fun to watch no and i i agree he he um it's kind of getting a little off but just to understand a little bit more he he also, you know, sided with the growing up on Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. And if you watch yeah. his style, he's he's got a lot of that Arn Anderson quality to him. Just that uh, technician. Like every time I see him do a um, backbuster, a uh, like a spinebuster or anything, I just buster, immediately yeah. think. But I mean. That first well, two Arn, that, Arn with the most beautiful spine buster of, of all time. I oh mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel poetry. like we need to, yeah, I feel like we need to cover the four horsemen maybe in a future episode. Oh, big um, time, dude! No, um, definitely, dude. Definitely, that'd be a great episode. But that yes. first that first match they had SummerSlam, it was just a like we said, it was a down and dirty brawl, and then at the very end, you know, Sean got the win, and then. Right afterwards, Triple H just, you know, hit him with a sledgehammer, took him out yep. for another couple months, build towards, we build towards uh, Survivor Series 2002, New York City, Madison Square Garden, um, first ever Elimination Chamber. Uh, mm-hmm. You had. Thank God the, Sean's back in tights. Yeah. Thank uh, God Sean's back in really tights. That's really bad, but. You know but with I mean. that terrible bob cut with the brown UPS trunks there, brown oh UPS tights there. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, comes the world heavyweight champion in the elimination chamber. They go on, have another great few. They, I call it two, two out of three falls. They would like to call it the whole three stages of hell, whatever you want to call it. Um, great match, uh, Armageddon 2002. Great match. Um, their feud kind of falls off for a little bit there and then they bring it back in early 2004. Royal Rumble, 
last man standing match goes to a double. Uh, neither man can make the 10 count. Um, anybody out there that's never seen that match, I highly recommend it. One of the best last man standing matches I've ever watched. Um, they have a couple more matches. That it's capped off by Hell in a Cell at Bad Blood 2004, which um, they didn't even go outside the cage, but it's one of the best best Hell in a Cell matches you can watch. Um, you won't be disappointed with any other matches. Um, I truly feel like, and uh, man, it, you're, you're right. You know, they're such good friends that, that chemistry. And um, I think that's what made for a great feud between these two. Yep. I agree. All right. Um, so, you know, HBK and Triple H, we're talking about how a lot of uh, violent hardcore matches, I guess if you want to put the pun there, um, next feud we have, um, you had the charismatic, uh, rock on one side, the pretty much the company man, uh, had been sworn in by Vince McMahon to be the, the corporate champion. And on another hand, you had Mrs. Foley's baby boy, Mick Foley. Um, they made for a great tag team, but they, in my opinion, they made for an even greater, um, robbery. Um, man, uh, what are your thoughts some, on this? Well, some, some really, you know, good stuff here. And, I mean, a lot of dynamics at play. Like you said, the guy that, you know, was so not highly thought of that, like, WCW, in, like, disparagingly said, you know, in the famous, when they give away the results, uh, Mankind is going to win the world title over there. You know, Cactus Jack or whatever. Sheesh. And, you know, as a knock, you know what I mean? Like, can you believe this, you know, guy is going to be their champ? And, and then you have The Rock, who, like, is the chosen one. Best-looking guy, funny, incredible worker, um, great personality, charisma. It, just everything about the guy screams top guy. Um, and then you got Foley walking around in sweatpants and a sock on his hand. Um, in a damn, you know, Hannibal Lecter mask. It's just, it's crazy that they got this over and got it to work. Um, and some of the segments were just phenomenal. You know, this is your life. Um, is is one of the greatest things, you know. Um, or is that is that what the segment was called? Or this is your life, I think. Well, that uh, was when they were. That was when. But that was no. that was when they were the team. But I just mean the dynamics of yeah. That, but that no, it was this is your life. Also, yeah. Also made it and and some of the most iconic uh, moments in the feud. You know the the Rock way Mick with his uh, hands cuffed behind his back with a chair. I mean, some of the most brutal stuff that the the that WWE ever ever put out. Um, was at that time and if you remember if you remember watching uh, Beyond the Mat uh, Mick's family at that match um, in in the first row and they're just screaming crying because he was just getting brutalized by The Rock I mean those guys were selling all out to get that feud over and I think that's the significance of it here on this list no it is Um, they I honestly want to say they only had about three or four matches, but in those three or four matches, they made everything worth it. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the chair shot to the head with the handcuffs. Um, as a, as someone who grew up on the attitude Era, that loved the attitude Era, That's one of those matches that it's, it's hard for me 
and I've seen some, you know, hardcore stuff out there, but that's hard for me to go back and watch that just because I've seen Beyond the Mat. I've seen, you know, the way his family reacted, and I just, and the, just the thud, like the hearing the thud of the chair just, just smack Mick on the head. Just, yeah, it's hard to go back and watch, but no, I understand the time it needed to be done. You know, you wanted to make it seem real, you wanted to make it, you know, and they did that, but like I said, it's hard to go back and watch that, but yeah, regardless of all that, um, masterful masterful feud um really good i can't say enough good things about it um yeah uh i wish they could have got a little bit longer program because i think they could have done one more but with yeah. what they got um great stuff they had i mean they had last man standing match they had an i quit match they had a they had an empty arena match during super bowl halftime 1999 um i yeah. don't know if you remember that or not yeah but no, yeah no. yeah um Man, they did about everything you could think of, but um, yeah, it was it was a great feud, and it was it was a fun feud to watch. Um, yeah, I just think that they were never going to let Foley run with anything for too long, which is sad, and and it tells you a lot about Vince McMahon, of, about how much of that man, you know, how much he gave of his body, how much of he gave of himself um, for the company, and they just never ever, you know, were like, okay, he's, he's a dude, you know, it was always just like, ah, well, Mick, you know what I mean? I, I feel like, so it is what it is. No, and I like, I like your point there because it's a good, for me, it's a good segue into our next one because for me, I feel like the next guy, well, these next two, I feel like we, what we have next is, uh, we have the, uh, the summer of punk. We had CM Punk mm-hmm. and John yep. Cena, and I I like what you put there because it reminds me a lot of CM Punk. It felt like no matter how over this guy got, it didn't feel like Vince would just let him do his thing. But regardless of how I feel about that, um, man, from no, it was just 2011, and it really it wasn't even that long of a feud, but it had a yeah. lasting impact on everything we know as the wrestling business. We're still quoting um, CM Punk's pipe bomb, but oh, I'm yeah. going to stop there. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you take it from here, but I just wanted to get that little tidbit out there. Yeah. CM Punk, John Cena. Um, it was in, in, in all, in, in, in a lot of respects, it was um, WWE establishment versus like, rogue um independent way of thinking before you know that even got popular you know what i mean um it was like and i don't mean to say like john cena was representing wwe or anything i'm just saying that he was the you know kind of the guy and and the the guy that everybody knew that for years and years and years this guy was groomed as the hogan he was the star you know he did all the make-a-wishes he was the face of the company you know, um, he, he's got, he's going to have the guy that's going to have top merch, blah, 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 uh, run after run with the world title, run after run with the world title. And then you got a guy come in, CM Punk, that um, kind of exposes the business a little bit. Yep. Um, and then, but also like, does it in a way that like, endears him to the marks and all of the what i think at that time was just perfect timing of this growing sort of swelling independent um smartened up fan um that that is that wants to see a little bit of the curtain pulled back not 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 necessarily to expose it 
um, or to say like, oh, you know, these fans are clamoring for another uh, curtain call or something like that. No, it was these fans that were starting to smarten up to the fact that um, we don't like everything that we're force fed from Vince McMahon. Um, he's got really good stars and really good talent on the roster that's not getting a chance to shine because he wants things to be his way. And I think we're seeing that more and more come out, you know, with the, I don't, did you get a chance to listen to the emancipation of John Moxley on uh, Tarkus Jericho? I I thought it was so good. I mean, I I, I can't believe I asked you that there. If you're a wrestling fan, you've listened to that podcast. It's amazing how good it's done. Uh, That episode. I mean, um, of talk is Jericho. And if you haven't go check it out. Um, because a lot of it is just hard to believe, um, the kind of stuff that that's going on behind the scenes. Whereas like, you know, they're like, you know, Vince is like, Oh, oh, it's great. You're going to get tested for rabies. You know, like, it's just like, you know, and it's just, I feel bad because like, it just seems like Vince is just so out of touch and old and he's still trying to like be, you know, this, this, you know, genius mind. And he really just may not have it for like the modern day like um way that it goes and so so like i think that was that first that feud was so important because it was like that first look at that dynamic of like the oh his his way or the highway is is not working anymore because the people are going to start rejecting this force-fed crap and so that's where you saw the pipe bomb program promo come in and then they just went from there and i mean so good i mean dude that that if you still go back and watch the youtube video and cm punk returning um and and cena wins the belt from ray and then uh, and then out comes punk and the first time with the cult of personality um you know music and everything and and uh and you even see on cena's face he's 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 confused he's looking at the the timekeeper table, like that's not Alberto. That's not Alberto. Is he was like looking for Del Rio, uh, Alberto Del Rio, and um, and then you do you see Punk slowly walk out with that belt on his waist, um, and Cena's also in the ring with the belt, and Cena just iconically does the mouths the oh my god, you know. And um and the people are are going ape shit. It, it just it's one of my favorite moments in wrestling history. It really is. No, it was a good moment, and I remember that vividly because I remember watching after that, and I remember going on like some. I went to some like uh, wrestling news site, and I was reading the comments, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's not CM Punk's theme music. That's not CM Punk's theme music." And then the smart marks were like, "That's his theme music from uh." Ring of Honor in the Indies. So, what did yeah. I know? What did I know? You know, and, right, uh, right. But exactly. um, for me, this feud makes. They didn't have very many matches, but this feud makes this list for me because of the yes. pipe bomb and because of Money in the Bank 2011, oh, Chicago, geez. Illinois, when, when, when he waved by at Vince and Cena with the belt. You yeah. Know, and- goes into the crowd oh man it's great yeah, when stuff. he when he awesome. comes out to yes. the chicago crowd and it's yes i know like a lot of people say oh man john cena gets booed really loud he got re- or he got booed really loud at uh uh oh god uh 
one night stand 2006 against Rob Van Dam, oh. and he did. Oh man, that I'm was not, amazing. He I'm did. not. I'm not saying he didn't, but that crowd, in Chicago, they they were so anti Cena that night, mm-hmm. but it made for a great match. And I've heard so many people say John Cena can't have a good match. If you don't believe John Cena can't have a good match, I say watch Money in the Bank 2011, and you see a five star classic between him and Punk. Big time. Um, Big time. Great yeah. feud. Great feud. Great feud. And uh, next up at number 11, we had another great feud. Um, this feud wasn't between Texas and Georgia. It was between decency and filth. We had the Vaughn Ericks, the pride of Texas, taking on those damn free birds. Doot, doot, doot. Bad Street USA, man. P.S. and Terry, Bam Bam Gordy. Just good stuff, man. Those guys, that that was Southern. Um, it was Southern Pride versus, you know, Texas Tough. You had the Von Erics that the girls loved and everybody in Texas thought was, you know, the greatest thing ever. And and then you had the Freebirds that was kind of like, well, they need to have a foil. You know what I mean? They need to have somebody that's, you know, can come in here and, and, and take the heat that, that would be generated from going up against these Von Erics that are just so damn over in that territory. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the Von Erics, they never really got over in any other territory. No. You know, even, even Kerry, you know, um, you know, but, and I understand when, when Kerry came to the WWE, he was, he had his challenges. He was, he, he was battling substance abuse and he was also, you know, his foot had been removed by that point. Yep. So, and, and not everybody knew that, you know, he did as well as he could. And I think a lot of people talk about how amazing it is that Kerry, did the job he did without without a foot in WWE and nobody really being wise to it, but but yeah, um, what what a great and then you and, and you had the wholesome Von Erics, you know, um, Fritz's boys and brothers and family, and then on the other side, um, you got freaking Jimmy Garvin and freaking uh, you know Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy, and they're just these mouthy, you know tough guy badasses you know and it was just such a such a cool feud i mean you know you, you know they they have their own song and they're brash and they're cocky and they're they're just the perfect rival for the for the von erics perfect no they are and they came in you know they came in white hot and oh, man I, I can't i can't watch enough michael psa's he's just so entertaining and the the whole yeah. bad street usa i love that uh yeah. the, and, love you know, the and you can tell why now why he's such a big part of what they do do now yeah and 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 not to say that you know a lot of their stuff now isn't the drizzling shits because it is but i mean it's why michael hayes is a is a is a road uh agent and a and a and a and a guy that's in the booking and the creative process he's just got a brilliant mind for it and um and and that was evident then it's evident now and and it's what made that such a great feud and there were some f- fantastic matches there was some great um stuff going on there and and that was the stuff that you know people in in that time in that era in that area would just clamored for they couldn't get enough of that feud no they they couldn't and um you know they came in uh they came in from you know Georgia and they were knocking 
they're knocking them on Eric's. And I remember watching, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the, the WWE documentary they did over world class. Um, yes, yes. JR was on there and he said that yes. when you came in, you know, in Texas knocking the Von Eric's, you might as well just be knocking Sam Houston or the Dallas Cowboys or anything, oh, Texas. Yeah. Cause that's how they were. And you're right. And, yes. and you're right. They, they didn't draw outside of Texas, but for them, they didn't need to like, Texas yeah. was it. I mean, I mean, yeah. and poor Kerry, he didn't even get to be Kerry Von Eric in the WWE. He had to be Texas Tornado. Texas tornado, yeah. yeah. And 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 yeah, because uh, I mean, you know, like you said, and and the Von Erics and and you know, and that's the way Texas is. When something is inherently Texan, they they just they think it's the greatest thing ever, and and it's ours, and you stay away. It's Texas, and you know, and all that kind of stuff, and. Which is funny when their football team tries to do it because they're a bunch of pussy. But that's that's a different podcast too. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Don't be scaring off our Texas fans if we have no, no, out sorry. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, tremendous feud. Um, can't say enough good things about it. Um, yep. Next up on the list, number ten, we have a different kind of feud. It's probably just as intense. Um, summer two thousand five, um, real life drama turns into a great feud you had the feud of edge and matt hardy and it all started with a woman named Lita. it always does i mean hogan and savage elizabeth you know hey i some trivia here did you know did you know that this feud culminated what was so special about the culmination of this feud can you tell me I can because I'm a wrestling elephant, but I don't know for if you us. want me to spoil it for you. Well, I'll go ahead and you can just spoil it for me. What, okay. what is it? Okay. This culminated with a steel cage match in Unforgiven 2005. And why and was one, that so important for guys like you and I? Because when Jason Salzman was at this event in Oklahoma yes, City at, at yes, the then Ford Center, now Chesapeake Energy Arena. And I got to tell you, bro. I want to say that I think it's still and still is to this day the only pay-per-view in Oklahoma history. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm and uh, unforgiven. I still have the uh, I still have the the uh, shirt with uh, John Cena and Kurt Angle on the front. Nice. Of it. Yep. Um pretty neat. Pretty, pretty, you know, here's the thing though. Pretty good card and I had a great time at the show. It was an awesome pay-per-view. Um, but here's why this feud was so good and why it's on this list. That match, by far, it was in the middle of the show, too. And it's completely stole the show. We wanted to leave after that match. I mean, it was just it was like, like nothing was going to follow it. Matt Hardy with the damn leg drop off the top of the damn cage. When he got on top of that cage, every damn every damn flash in the place went off. Damn. I mean, and, and it, it was just, and, and, and he just glide. I mean, it, it's looked like he flew forever yeah. and he comes down and they're fighting over Lita and it's real life. So it adds some realism to it, which is always a good thing. Whenever you can suspend a little bit of disbelief and go, Oh, maybe these guys really do hate each other. It made it that much better of a feud. And, not to mention the fact that Matt Hardy's a great wrestler and Edge is a fantastic wrestler. So it not only was great and passionate and everything like that, but it was just a wonderful 
story with some really talented guys that could execute not only ring work, but storyline in the background, which that checks every box. No, it was, I was hook, line, and sinkered this entire feud throughout the summer of 2005. Um, yeah. I remember when it first came out, the news, and I was just like, oh, man. Because I was, I think I was like 13 at the time, 13 going on 14. And I was just like, man, Edge is such a dick. Like, how could he do that to Matt? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I was just yeah. like, oh, my God, what a what an asshole. Like, yeah. And it made for a great feud because you, you wanted to see, you, you paid money to see Matt Hardy beat the crap out of Edge. And that's what, yeah. you know, they, they you know, yeah. it it's. It's shitty how it ha- had to get there, but um, it turned into a great feud. And it's it's funny because I thought that this was the highest that Matt Hardy was going to be. And, oh, boy, was I wrong. Man, but, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but I really I, thought I, this was going to be the pinnacle of Matt Hardy. I, I like, had oh, that man. feeling, too, though. I was like, man, he, how, could he, how could he top this? And then, I, and then in the back of my head, when I'm asking that question, I just hear a, Ah, give it about give it about 10 11 years later yeah we're yeah yeah you'll find out um yeah great fantastic field um originally didn't have on the list i should be ashamed for that um but here it is number 10 it's it's number 10 on our list um next up i'm gonna be honest with you it's a feud i'm not real well familiar with but i'm pretty familiar familiar with both wrestlers um I went back and watched some of the matches. Hard hitting, um, actually really fun to fun to watch. Uh, back in nineteen ninety two, all Sting and Vader. Oh yeah, oh man, and and I I kind of I got I will admit, and so I'll let you off the hook here. I will admit that this was kind of me putting this on, um, because I remember those Super Brawls and those Great American Bashes and and those Clash of the Champions with. Jim Ross at his absolute best. People always think like WWE, Jim Ross, and blah, 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 just because Stone Cold, Attitude Area, but no. This era of 92 in WCW, Jim Ross, you know, Sting, Sting's got Vader up! You know, and, 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 you know, he's just losing his shit. He just, dude, Jim Ross was a big part of the Vader-Sting rivalry and it, as either two men. And I know that sounds crazy, but it just... To me, that's what makes great wrestling. It's just all of it put together. The whole spectacle of it. And he was so money at this time. And he was young. And he didn't have Bell's palsy yet. And and God bless him. Not that Bell's palsy makes him bad or anything. I'm just saying he was, was, you know, he was at the top of his game. And you had Sting, who was literally um, the WCW alternative to Hogan. But, like, cooler. Like Sting was cooler. Like he wasn't bald, and he and he Hogan even at his even at his prime and and his big run in, in, in WWE, he just felt like an old guy because of his hair and you know he was slow and you know blah blah blah. Sting was like surfer, bleach blonde, face paint, crowing at the sky, fucking hardcore Stinger Splash getting air doing all kinds of aerial moves freaking the backwards punch he was so cool he was just so much cooler than hogan and then you had vader this big nasty bastard that was just i mean he comes from japan almost like a damn cartoon character 
fucking from your worst nightmare just a scary ass guy and who's going to stand up to this guy but the man they call Sting and I mean some great matches and for the world championship matches you know I just you know Vader coming down in that damn white uh, fur coat with Harley Race I mean this was good shit I know you know that because you went back and watched Mm -hmm. some of it this was good stuff no, it was. Um, uh, I, I don't. I don't mean this in a negative way, but like up until this point, you know, Sting's biggest feuds were like with uh, Flair. Rick Flair, and yeah. nothing against Flair because I'm one of the biggest Flair marks out there. But like, like on paper, him and Flair, he should just decimate Flair because he's just this big. Yeah. Like Sting's this yeah. physical specimen, but with this feud with Vader, you kind of had some sympathy for Sting. And it kind of made him like people, you know, people that weren't Sting fans. Oh man, he's going toe to toe with Vader. This big, like you said, this big bastard. Like Sting's a badass, you know. Like you know, Sting can go in there and hang with the best of them, and that's what he did. And he had these great matches. And um, was this was this feud with Sting? Was this right after um, Vader's feud with Cactus, or would be would that be right after the feud with uh, Sting? It's right. After, it's it's right after the feud with Sting. Okay, I I knew which that could have made the list as well because that was a great feud. Oh yeah, but I I knew it was. Oh, I knew it was somewhere in there. But um, yeah, it made Sting yeah. look incredible and believable. Yeah. Um. Well, and and the, and he had this monster to overcome. You know. Yeah, and what was the basis of great wrestling feud? It's you know, you gotta overcome something big, and this something. this was something right. big. Um. Right. Well, uh, well, you, Babyface gets beat all to hell. Yeah, Babyface sells hard. Babyface makes incredible comeback. Um, it gets insurmountable odds to to finally triumph. I mean, there's pro wrestling one on one. It always has been. It mm-hmm. has been since the fall, guys. It will be when we're long gone. I mean, yep. that's what works. Don't you know? In the words of Corny, you know, don't fucking make it rocket science. That's what works. Yep. See. So, so that was, that was number nine, and it's funny because that makes was, me want. This makes me want to go back and watch some of those. Oh yeah, Sting later matches now. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. good stuff. Yeah. I want to go back and watch the cactus matches too. But yeah, good oh, stuff yeah. Um, bang, bang. on both ends on Sting and Vader's ends. But yes, sir. So yes, that sir. was that was number nine, and it's yep. funny that you mentioned you were comparing Sting and Hogan because next up at number eight, Uh-oh. we have arguably. Arguably Hogan's greatest feud. I mean, that's a hot take, but arguably his greatest feud of all time. You had the mega powers exploding, Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and and I think you're right because this was so well done. Right? They they planned it out for like a year. You know, they knew exactly what they wanted to do. Whereas they dropped the ball on Hogan Flair. You know what I mean? It didn't make Mania eight, and they didn't do it till it was way too late for it. Um, Hogan Goldberg wasn't really, you know, whatever. Hogan was way past his prime, and Goldberg was just sort of an attraction. Um, and the rest of Hogan's shit was just kind of like in the beginning of his WCW run. It was terrible. It was all that Dungeon of Doom shit and everything like that. And then his feud with sting was even botched you know what i mean yep. with the nick patrick count and all that good stuff and and or bad stuff i guess you could say but and yep. then in his, his look at his wwf feuds andre 
I mean, of course, that was amazing, you know. And I and with 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 the Piper's Pit segment and the, and the tear in the chain and everything and the and the iconic press con- man, my God, why can't they do contract signings like that again? I mean, yeah. my God, um, um, the 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 contract signing and everything, and and so, but and he had good feuds and everything like that. But this Macho feud, it was just so perfect. Like what we said with the woman coming in between them and the, you know, the Liz takes the bump uh, when they're, when they're going up against the towers or, or the towers, uh, twin towers in uh, Saturday night's main event. So Liz takes the bump from macho man and, you know, Hogan carries her out, which if that, if it wasn't obvious what, where they were going by that time, it should have been. Um, but if you were a kid, you were like, Oh, Hogan's just trying to help her. And, and, you know, you're thinking, oh, Macho Man, you know, he does get a little crazy and maybe he's going to get jealous. And, and you know, um, they built, a, I, I think that they built, and I think Bruce may, Bruce Pritchard may even said this, but in an interview I heard, but I think they, they literally built the mega powers together to have them explode. Like, like the entire reason for building and, and joining the mega powers was that so at this payoff and this ending that they could explode. It's just truly, I mean, that says about everything you need to know about the feud right there. Just really, really well done. And the two, no, and see, that's and the, the two thing biggest things in the whole industry was, at that time. Before, before you know, they became the Mega Powers and Randy won the title and all this other stuff. You know, Randy was a heel. Yeah. No, yeah. Point. Oh, absolutely. And then he yeah. turns babyface. I think he turned babyface a little bit before that. But so he turns babyface and then. You know, you separate him, and I mean, I I think that Randy was a pretty good babyface for the most part, but he was an even better heel. Um, it's kind of like CM Punk. Well, CM Punk was a good babyface, yeah, but he's an even well, better better heel. Like, and like, what a badass Macho Man was to to like like his his greatness is what turned him. Like it wasn't that the fans were like, "Oh, he's such a great guy!" All of a sudden, or or there wasn't this like thing that he did that like turned him. People were just like, "Man, that's the baddest damn dude in the company," and because of that, he's now a babyface to us. We can't not like him anymore. He's that good. Yeah, but yeah, the their their match at WrestleMania five. Yes, five. WrestleMania five. Yep, trying to remember that. WrestleMania five. Um, I thought pretty good match. Um, Both of them for, cut phenomenal promos. promos. That match. Yeah, so good. Um, Randy was always for me the better wrestler, but when they worked mm-hmm. together, you know, it was great stuff. Um, and then what? And they continued it because they were doing the weren't they doing like the no holds barred thing? And it was yeah. like Randy and Zeus, you know, yeah, Tiny Randy Lister. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tiny Lister. And then it was uh, Brutus the freaking Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan. And, or, yeah, I want to say that was it. But, um, yeah, they, yep. they continued it that way. But um, they didn't need that. But no. but it was great anyway. Um, yeah, it was so good. Man. Stuff, good, just yeah, two of the, phenomenal two, stuff. The, the, the two top guys in the entire industry. Yeah. So. No, I, I would agree with that. At the, at the time, at the I time. would agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. Um, that's 
Yeah, that's a good one, man. Um, yep. So, next up on our list at number seven, um, it's our first tag. Or no, okay, it's our first actual tag team entry. The one yep. we had before that, well, I guess we'd say stables, but yes. our our first true tag team entry on the list, we have the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. The top probably money drawing program in the history of Mid-South wrestling, Um, which if people out there don't know Mid-South, you know, it's where we're sitting right now. um, It was Mid-South wrestling. Um, It was our territory, our Oklahoma um, in this area. Um, Not necessarily maybe stationed here, but, but definitely um, it's who was coming through here. If you're, um, if you're, 20 I mean if you're 30 maybe 30 years old to 45 years old um, if you were going to a big wrestling in a, in a high school gym as a kid in Oklahoma it was Mid-South Wrestling uh, you were going to see The Missing Link Hacksaw Jim Duggan Lord Humongous Dirty Dick Murdoch um, those are some of the names and you were going to see um, Punky and Hoot run out with the bandanas tied around their legs and the girls absolutely flipping their shit. When I say punky and hoot, I'm talking about Ricky and uh, Robert, um, the rock and roll. And, um, um, and if you're in the know, you don't even throw express on there. You just say the rock and roll, um, come out to Van Halen's jump. I mean, they were just the coolest of the cool me and Mike Salzman actually, would tie bandanas around our legs and run around um, the house pretending to be the Rock and Roll Express, trying to take out those dastardly midnight with that damn James E. Cornette, his stupid-ass tennis racket, and his red uh, blazer with, like, a yellow tie and sweet Stan Lane and beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um and just you know that this the the you know how people say the soundtrack of my youth or the story of my childhood. I mean, just yep. dude, it's amazing. Um, I I will admit and take credit for the fact that you know this being in this countdown where it's at is largely because of my influence and what kind of impact it had on me. I know that's a little bit before your time, but certainly. Um, I know you've done, you know, enough research and you're enough astute of the game to appreciate um, the, the, the insane popularity of the Rock and Roll Express and the incredible work rate of the Midnight. A beautiful Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Uh, we may have to go back on our workers list and, and, and Bobby will be a top 10. He was so good. He knew exactly how to sell. He knew how to sell for different tiers of opponents. So if you were like a top guy, he'd take bump after bump for you. You, you'd slam him. Then he'd jump up and let you drop kick bump him. Then he'd, he'd take a, a couple hits off the ropes and let you shoulder block bump him out of the ring. Uh, then he'd let you bump him around out of the ring. You know, if you're a mid-level guy, you may get uh, you may get a backdrop and he'll scoot into the corner and, and bring you over for a thumb in the eye. If you were a nobody, you know, he, he whipped your ass for about five minutes and then and put, put you 
on the mat in the middle of the ring for the three. So, so he was insanely good. Um, they were such a great team. They had the best mouthpiece in wrestling history, probably. And um, it just worked. And Ricky and Robert didn't need anything to get over, but to run out there in their um, damn cutoff jean jackets. And like I said, they were just so damn cool. I mean, they had the haircuts, they had the outfits. I mean, they were just they, and and it and there's a reason it's this high on the list. No, um, great work rate. Um, honestly, you could probably say it was the first great uh, tag team feud of all time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want to get technical about it, um, you're right. I don't know much about it, but I have seen the matches. Um, I like watching classic Jim Cornette stuff. Um, just good matches. Um, before we jump on the next one, I got a little bit of a hot take question I'd like to ask you. Yes. The Rock and Roll Express. Um, yes. Do you think that the Rockers, even with that name, the Rockers, Marty Giudani, Shawn Michaels, do you think that was a kind of a ripoff of the Rock and Roll Express? Because they kind of had the same gimmick going there. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of do think it was a ripoff because I don't th- see how it could not be. I don't know if they had the same type of uh trunks that i mean you know tights and everything uh they had the same uh sort of thing going on the rockers the rock i mean yes absolutely and i think i think marty and sean would even tell you that yep not trying to knock them just no great great phenomenal field but a good phenomenal tag team but uh but yeah imitation is the greatest form of flattery that's right um so next up we have and this is which I thought it was a pretty good feud too, but I know it's gonna like you said it was the youth that feud was the youth of your childhood, but I'm sure this one will take you back as well. You had uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage makes his way back onto the list again. This time it's with Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh Jesus, man! I it, it's hard not to put this number one as good as these guys did with this feud. I mean, you had the fucking snake bite, slapping Liz. The putting the snake in the wedding present, Macho Man being reinstated, Macho Man at this Tuesday in Texas, you know, uh, in the promo that he cut, and then running the aisle to get at Jake, um, running to the running in and, and to get at Jake in the Rumble in '92, um, phenomenal, and you have the best, maybe, well, one of the best probably promos in the history of the business in Jake and he was so money. He was so money in this whole thing. Um, and I still remember, I still have the damn promo memorized that he cut on Randy before the, this Tuesday in Texas. It's as tight as a tourniquet, as cold as the skin on a dying man. Randy Savage, last time I saw you, you were flailing as that snake chewed on that arm for some time. He did chew. Now you look in my eyes, you see nothing. But you look in a snake's eyes, it's so cold and devilish. Yes, he takes care of what he has to, does what he has to do, just like me. Your eyes, your eyes weren't even there. But you know who I wanted to see? Elizabeth's eyes. Pupils so small. I mean, he was just so creepy and just, yeah. just he was just a, like, he was like some kind of fucking best villain you've ever seen in your life out of a scary movie during that thing. I mean, 
it was so good and Macho Man was so good too. Macho Man's so intense, you know, like you know, going to ask Jake about the snake, maybe it is, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, wanting him to bite wanting the snake to bite Jake and just it's hilarious. And those guys just absolutely just oh man, just killed it. Just just brought it home. Had you know, had okay matches. Jake wasn't the best wrestler, but um, that was one of those feuds that was like it didn't need a wrestling match in the middle of it. That's how good it was. Like the the wrestling match was just like icing on the cake and the payoff to all the greatness that happened around it. As far as in the build, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, no, I think we need to find a way to get you to, uh, in some way or fashion, some fashion or way, you know, to get you to put that get that promo on every episode. Um, yeah, but, I, uh, do. I do that a lot. I yeah, do that a lot. no, you're good, and um, but I love um, it. it's it's a good it's a good promo. Um, yes. No, the only it's good. I, I I've went back and I watched some of their promos. The the thing that I I think about the most um, during this promo is um, I don't know if it was right afterwards or maybe it would have been like a taping, but it was right after the wedding, and they're in the back and they're they're. Uh, they're unwrapping the presents from the wedding and all. Mm-hmm. Well, first, the first thing I think of is Macho going, "Oh yeah, I think we'll keep the ribbon." Oh yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. doing that. <laughs> and then, and then they open the box and there's the cobra and you know all that. But you're right; they didn't need a match to make this feud. You had two great talkers. Um, yeah, Jake wasn't the best. I mean, he came up. He came up. Well, I don't know if he came up with it, but he he made. The DDT, one of the most famous wrestling moves in the history of the business, um, far mm-hmm. done, based mm-hmm. on a complete accident. If you've never seen his documentary out there, but um, yeah, great feud. Um, yeah, classic awesome feud. feud. It's just yep. And the end of the and the end of this feud, that maybe its greatest legacy is the end of this feud turned Taker face, right? Yep. That's right. Yep. And they so, went on to have uh, and, he, matches and he was never to, a heel again, except when he, you know, went through his, uh, you know, ministry and and yeah. uh, and American Badass kind of. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they. Uh, that was a good feud. Um, fun stuff. Um, it's funny because these past few feuds, number seven, number six, you said that were the soundtrack of your childhood. And it's kind of a bad, bad expression, but I have the same expression for number five coming up. Um, I don't know if this feud wouldn't have happened. What um, if this feud wouldn't happen? I don't know how big of a wrestling fan I would be, to be honest with you. And before I announce it, I just want to say, um, if we ever happen to have Stone Cold listening, um. I'm sorry that I didn't originally put this feud on there, and I feel like the worst Uncle Steve Austin fan oh, in the world. Man, but number five, if this feud didn't happen, like I said, I don't know if I'd be a wrestling fan right now. You had the Texas Badass, the uh, Buck Authority, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then you had the Boss. You had Vincent Kennedy McMahon, Austin oh. and McMahon. Man. What can you say? I mean, McMahon's the greatest heel character in the history of the business, and it, and and Steve Austin's literally, argue, argue, 
arguably the biggest star of the in the history of the business. So it's it's I mean it 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 did everything it needed to do. It did it it like I like to say it checked every box. It had everything. Yeah, it this feud won the Monday Night War. Oh, absolutely. It turned the tide because you went from 83 weeks of WCW um, killing it with the NWO. And then I think it was April, I believe it was April 13th, 1998. I could be wrong on that. But they teased the very first match between Austin McMahon about how Austin said he could beat him with one arm tied behind his back. And they they just turned the tide after that. And after yep. that, it was Vince was getting different. Um, it was almost like Bobby Heenan back in the 80s trying to get all these different henchmen yep. to face off against Hulk Hogan. Well, 10 years later, you had Mr. McMahon, the evil character, getting all these different henchmen trying to fend off this damn rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin, until finally the next year, Austin finally got him where he wanted him, and they they uh, they were in the Royal Rumble together. And then right after that, you had St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which, little sidebar, that was the very first pay-per-view I ever was allowed to order. So I saw Stone Cold beat the ever-living crap out of Vince McMahon in the steel cage in Memphis, Tennessee. So um, phenomenal, phenomenal oh, thank you, Thank you. Phenomenal yes. feud. Um, yes. I can't say enough great things. Wait, about hey, it. wait, no, Nani, right? That's what you call her. That's my Nani, but well, it wasn't. She wasn't the one. I wasn't living with her at the time. It was actually my mother. So, oh, um, what? Yeah. Kim lets you get a WWF for you? Yeah, she's oh, okay. she's the sole reason. I've, well, her and dad. So well, reason was, I became a wrestling fan. She was okay, a good wrestling fan too. She was down. She was down with wrestling, right? Yeah. Little sidebar here. Her her first. Uh, you were mentioning Mid South. That was. I'm pretty sure that was her first wrestling event. She went to Oklahoma City. She watched uh, Hacksaw beat the crap oh. out of Kamala. So okay, wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, that's Mid South. So, little, little sidebar there. Oh um, But yeah, no, she was big in wrestling. But yeah, very first pay per view. Yeah. Wow. Um, can't say enough good things about it. Um, didn't really dig uh, Stone Cold joining the uh, dark side a couple of years later, but you know we'll get into mm-hmm. that in another podcast. Yep. Um, but uh, great feud, and like I said before, without saved it, I the business. it saved the business and saved uh, Caleb Salzman's wrestling fandom, as you know it. Yep, um, I'm so happy we yeah. wouldn't be doing this today. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, so. We were mentioning 10 years earlier or 10 years prior um, to the WWE, but around this time, 10 years prior in Jim Crockett and WA, we had another great feud. Um, and it's the first time that Mr. Ric Flair is making our list. It won't be the last time. Oh, yeah. 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 Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ric Flair. And we have arguably, as far as in-ring, in-ring work, we have his greatest opponent of all time, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, man. Um, YouTube folks, again, I don't want to do a commercial for YouTube, but, you know, Flair Steamboat, just type it in. 
and whether you watch Chicago and Flair coming in on the helicopter like Charlotte did at WrestleMania. For all you idiots out there that thought Charlotte was just making a cool entrance. No, no, no. That's a that's an homage to old ad. And um Flair Steamboat. Brother, you want to talk about pace in a wrestling match. Those fucking guys for 45 minutes to an hour. The best condition guys you've ever seen in your life. I mean, if you're just watching it strictly as like artistry and just fluid motion and two people being so in step Look. and just having a dance out there, that's the one for it. Yeah. Yes. Hello. I'm here. Hello. Yes. Got I think me? we I think we got disconnected. Um Oh oh no. You got me again? Yeah, I got you. Okay. No, I just artistry. Um these guys, you know, forty five minutes to an hour, um, kept a pace the entire time, never slowed down. Um, we're basically just dancing out there instead of having a wrestling match. Um it's the best worked feud ever. Um, but they also made you believe that these were two these were the guys, these were the two best guys and that they they had to settle it out in the ring. And they always did, and it was a, it was the match of the night and it was five stars every time they got in there together. Yeah. Um Chi Town Rumble. Um yep. you had yep. uh one was in New Orleans, I believe. Um, yep. you had and then there's another I can't remember off the top of my head um, but they had a trio of matches that were just well, didn't they, weren't they the first clash weren't they the very first clash I think that was Flair and Sting I think because they went 45 minutes okay okay okay. and okay. that made you know in Triple H's word the, the words that made Sting a star which he's right but um, yes. yeah but I think they did the first clash yeah was Sting and yep. uh Sting and Steve, but or Sting and Flair, not Sting and Steamboat, but Sting and Flair, which right. that was a great feud too. But Flair and Steamboat um, were just on another level with their yeah. their work rate. Um, you see, guys nowadays like uh, like the trio of matches that Okada and uh, Omega had, but in a sense, you got to think that they probably got some of their stuff from those guys because they had the first trio matches that just lasted these ungodly amount of, of time. And they found a way, they found a way to make each match different and just, they didn't bore the crowd. It wasn't like, Oh man, it's 45 minutes, man. These guys, they need to send it home. No, the entire time you were just hook, line, sinkered and you were, you were engaged with everything they were doing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um next up, uh, another another great feud of my, my childhood. Um um and another very important one. Um uh with a with a trio of WrestleMania matches as well. We just talked about a trio between Flair and Steamboat. This has had a trio of great WrestleMania matches. Um Stone Cold makes his way back on this list, and so is The Rock. You had Austin and Rock. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, much like 
Hogan and Savage. You, you had to get the two top guys, very top guys in the industry um, in the same program and just let them shine. And boy, did they ever shine. They had great WrestleMania matches. Um, two very different styles. Um, two, Although both of them were very good talkers, they both very different ways that they talk. Um, you know, both of them could be funny, but in very different ways. Um, both of them could, could talk shit and tell you they're going to kick your ass in very different ways. You know, Stone Cold was, you know, some bitch, I'm on coming there and stomp mud hoeing. And then, you know, Rock was like, you're a jabroni and I'm going to whip your candy ass. You know, just this little, you know, little differences, but also really, you know, cool similarities and they were at the time when both of them I don't think wanted to admit that the other was the top guy and you know that that also leads to some tension that can lead to great feuds and and that's what you had here with this some of the greatest Wrestlemania matches if you put down the top 10 Wrestlemania matches of all time you know that Hogan I mean I mean uh, Rock and Stone Cold might make two of them you know two of their Wrestlemania matches so um, really really big time um, and I know it was a, a pretty big impact on you as well. No, it was, and they had they had a lot more matches than just the three. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I point to the three because that's what's most monumental to me about this feud. Because um, right. the first time you had Rock as the corporate champion, much like he was against McFoley, and mm-hmm. then you had Stone Cold the Rebel, and yep. then the next time we came around they were both baby faces, which was a weird dynamic. And then mm-hmm. for the third match, you had rock or Dwayne coming back from Hollywood and he's a heel now. And he's, yeah. you know, he's Hollywood rock and yeah. it's for stone cold. It's one last match. And right. that's where, that's where stone cold finally took the loss to the rock WrestleMania, which I never thought was going to happen. I thought stone cold was just going to sweep him and then he's going to retire around Sunday. But stone cold, I'm on our tradition. Yeah. Body. Stone Cold's yeah. a traditionalist, so he's not going to yeah. do that. Um, great, great trio matches. If I had to pick yeah. one, probably WrestleMania 17, just for the pure work rate of both guys, uh, the pure shock factor at the end when yeah. Stone Cold turns heel. Uh, I may watch that when we get down. Yeah, I think I am too. It just, just turns to the dark side. I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I, that's the, that's the analogy I can give there. Um, okay, just. Uh, but great feud. Uh, big time feud. Big, big time. time. Big time money feud. Right. Um, both guys set the rest of the world on fire, and I guess that's that's a good segue. Um, for the next feud we have, both of these guys set the rest of the world on fire with their feud. Um, and much like Austin Rock, they were two different styles of wrestler. I guess you could say they were Austin Rock before that was a cool thing to do. Uh, you had. The Nature Boy Ric Flair, um, dressed to the nines, uh, uh-huh. tells you that he's better than the rest of you. And then you had the common man, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. American Dream. Sorry, I had to. Yeah. Um, that was such a great theme. Um, but you know, this feud birthed some of the um, 
the greatest content that's still looked at today, or whether it be the plumber's son, um, you know, uh, hard times. Um, and Ric Flair was great too. I mean, you know, everybody talks about Dusty and the hard times promo and rightfully so, but Flair's promos were so good. And, and like you said about how he painted himself is so much better than, you know, the common man. And here is Flair that I, 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 you know, I got five women dying for me to go, woo, you know, and, and, and Dusty, you know, you know, the woman he has is Sapphire and, you know, like, uh, you know, he's not this, you know, great looking guy. You know how he said, my belly's just a little big, my hiney's a little big, but brother, I'm bad and they know it. You know, I just, um, it was so good and there was great matches and, you know, Dusty winning the title was such a big moment for people that really believed in him and really believed in that dream character and, you know, it was just so big and, you know, everybody running into the ring, you know, putting Dusty on their shoulders and, you know, just big time stuff. Really, really, really cool. No, um, no, you're completely right. Um, much like, much like, uh, Jake and Macho, this feud, if you think about it, really didn't need a match, you probably could have had a great feud just off their talking, but mm. luckily for the rest of the wrestling world, you had two of the greatest workers of all time in that in that ring when it was time to go, and you know you you talked about Dusty, you know his belly's just a little big, his height's just a little big, um, and that's that's true. But you also had a guy who was close to three hundred pounds or might have been over three hundred pounds that could go and he could he could work for close to an hour, which yep. at that time you know, and even to this day that's kind of that's kind of a rare commodity. But Dusty could go, and then. Yep. On top of that, you had arguably, arguably the greatest worker of all time, yep. and one Ric Flair. Yeah, and you know both of them knew how to buy, knew how to work. They knew they both knew how to sell. They both knew how to give and 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 get heat on themselves, and then get heat on their opponent, and and to work a match in the ring and tell a story in the ring. Um, but they also could do it setting up the match through through their iconic promos and everything like that. So I think I think the reason this one's so high is because at the time it was such a seminal moment in in wrestling, you know, when they passed the torch and even Flair now to this day, you know, says you know you know, he says, you know, his feud with Dusty was the greatest he ever had. And if it's the greatest few that flair ever had it has to be this high on this list i mean it's big stuff and um you know dusty is um he'll go down as one of the best minds in the business but he certainly knew how to get people over he knew what he had to do he's dusty's who made flair and um i just hope nobody ever forgets that when when thinking about the greatness of flair it never would have happened, and he never would have got anywhere if it wasn't for Dusty, um, and Dusty putting him, putting him over, and putting the shine on him, you know. Um, and Dusty knew exactly what to do, and that's the bottom line. No, uh, completely agree. Couldn't say it better. Um, you know, if if uh, Rick and Dusty arguably were two of the greatest workers of all time. Um, I think these next two guys have a pretty good claim at that. Um, This is our number one. Um, And 
the you know controversy aside, they really had a great feud before that. Um, you had on one side you had uh, the pride of uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, uh, Bret Hart, um, the uh, the son of Stu Hart. You know uh, that great family lineage, and on the other hand, you had this brash, cocky upstart by the name of Shawn Michaels who has a claim at being. You know, like I said, arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, if not the greatest. Um, yeah. And it just created for fantastic feud. And I'm going to let you take it from here because I know that um, this is a really important feud for you. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I remember vividly going to take one video and you follow. Um, kept going, kept going, kept going because – um, Floyd Smith, the guy that ran the Take One video there, uh, knew I was a big wrestling fan, and he'd always order me the VHS of the latest pay-per-views. And so I'd go in there to see, you know, what they have. Did they have this one yet? Did they have this one yet? Did they have this one yet? And um, I'll never forget, um, I was I was at home one Saturday, and this is how it used to be back in the day. So Saturday, I didn't, you know, you didn't have any guide or anything like that. I mean, you, you could go get the guides, but we didn't really have any guides. You would just, what I would do, man, and this will make you chuckle, but on Saturdays, like when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, fourth grade, really, because I remember that's when my fandom was like at its peak, probably. But on Saturdays, you would turn on the TV to channel eight and at like noon, you would just hope you would just hope superstars was going to come on. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, you know, back then I thought Brett was so cool. Like I thought he was cool. I thought he was, it was cool that he was the intercontinental champion. I thought, I thought that was cooler than him being the champion, you know, in a weird way. You know, I, I for some reason, I always just kind of was drawn to the intercontinental belt. You know, I, I I guess I just really liked how good they were at wrestling, how 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 it really seemed to be the workers' belt and everything like that. And I just remember um, one Saturday, um, watching Superstars, and it was on that '92, you know, um, era when like Brett Brett had just dropped the belt in at Wembley to to uh, British Bulldog, and Sean was coming into his own as a singles guy. Um, if you remember at that Wembley SummerSlam, he fought uh, or wrestled uh, in in what was famously, you know, you couldn't hit each other in the face against the model Rick Martel. Mm-hmm. And um, he was coming into his own as a single star. But Brett was coming into his own as now Brett's going to get a chance to run the ball. He's going to be the champion. He's going to be the heir apparent to Hogan. This guy's gotten so over with people. They really believe in him. He's going to be our guy. But there was always that like, damn, that sucks, Brett, because Sean's kind of like right there with you, you know, like it was like Brett didn't even get his time before it was like going to be like, oh, well, you know, everybody was already looking at Sean. So I think that really stuck with Brett. I think he really was always bitter about that. Um, I know it's hard to believe Brett Hart being bitter about anything, Um, but I think he was always like, Man, I didn't even get a chance to to be the guy before Sean started. And you could just tell Brett's such a baby about the fact that 
Sean got over with his, you know, click and all this. Brett's like the biggest baby about all that. And it's like, no, why don't you just admit that he got over? Like, you know, and that it was a big deal, you know. And um, I remember, so when I went to get the movies and everything like that, I remember vividly that I was watching superstars watching for superstars one Saturday and they come on on superstars and I'm like, Oh my God, yes. Wrestling's on. And you know, isn't that crazy though, that, that you're just hoping and praying that it may be on this Saturday, you know, it's crazy. Um, but uh, compared to, you know, how we have it today, but, um, I remember they came on and Mean Gene Okerlund is, uh, they start superstars and Mean Gene's just standing there with a the mic and I'm like, huh, what's going on? And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Allow me to introduce to you. And remember, Brett won this at a house show. So Mean Gene says, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you. The new World Wrestling Federation champion. Brett, they, and I mean, I lost my shit, dude. I was, I lost my shit because I always thought I loved Brett, but I never thought he would be the champion. I was almost like, you know how Brett talks a lot about how he was like, I never believed, you know, I could be the champion or whatever. I was the same way. All of his fans that believed in him and everything, they loved him. They just didn't think he would be at that level. And when Gene said that, and Al walks Brett with the title, the winged eagle, um, it was just amazing, dude. But I remember thinking, too, like, oh, man, they're going to set something up with Sean, I bet. And then the next thing you know, 92 Survivor Series, Brett versus Sean, champion versus champion, you know. Um, and I, I knew right then and there that was going to be a rivalry because I figured that Brett was like, you know, this little piss ant's going to be the one to take my spot, you know. And it, and it, and it, turned out that way so yeah no and 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 you're right um now correct me if i'm wrong here um before that they had the first televised ladder match on wwe for the intercontinental title right they did they did and i believe that's on like i believe that's on like um super tape 92 or something like that yeah like old coliseum video stuff you know um and i think i may have that at take one video too so yeah yeah that was a great ladder match great ladder match but yeah that was the the first tell now they had had like in calgary they had, had like ladder yeah. matches or what about but that yeah. was the first like that was the, the first wwe audience WWE. like got to see a ladder yeah. match so i was like you know so that was a big thing so so i you know they finally I finally go to the video store and, and he has the Survivor Series 92 and it was and it was Sean versus Brett, champion versus champion. Um, and they had a great match. Great match. Brett caught him trying to do a... a Brett caught, caught Sean both legs trying to do a uh, drop kick off of... Uh, well, what what the uh, what the guys from... Uh, what the guys from uh, S... Uh, or old school wrestling OSW review would say the Brett rope. Um, Sean jumped off the Brett rope and trying to do a, um, a you know, double drop kick and, and, and Brett caught him, put him in a sharpshooter. That's all she wrote. And then you really didn't hear about this feud for a long time, but then they picked it back up and it got really nasty because it was coming at a time when those guys didn't like each other. Brett was increasingly becoming paranoid, I think. And he saw Sean coming for a spot. And Sean was ready to take a spot and he didn't give a fuck who knew about it. And he was kind of brash about it. And Vince kind of like this damn 
manipulative opportunist kind of like started salivating seeing this personal problem sprout up and seeing a way that he could like you know jump in there and like really distort it and really you know be advantageous of it and he did and it led to that whole 97 of probably some of Brett's best work Brett's best work uh, 97 some of the uh, promos he did because he was never a good promo but he did some good promos on Sean as far as with the Playgirl stuff. And then Sean did some great promos on him with the Sunny Days and all that stuff. And it just got crazy and crazy and crazy. And Sean ends up in Hartford with a big old uh, clump of his hair, walks in and famously, you know, I can't work like this. It's an unsafe working environment. And him and Brett getting, you know, getting a big brawl in the bathroom while the King's trying to take a shit. Um, yeah, and it just devolves into the Montreal screw job, which we'll, we don't have to talk about because everybody should know it and we all know what happened there. So, you know, I think it's, I think as far as like the guys that it was involved, the realism as far as the true life stuff going on behind the scenes, the most iconic match ending in pro wrestling history, um, that all comes together to make it the top few. Well, um, Absolutely right. Um, Your thoughts on this feud? Okay, so I've gone back, and you're right. We don't have to get in the Montreal screw job because it's been played out long enough. So I know that from top to bottom. But I got into wrestling. That was late 97. So I I think, I mean, I, I'm sure I would, was watching wrestling before that. But I don't remember any much build up for that. I remember right after the Montreal Screwjob, I remember Vince right. McMahon doing the, I remember this vividly doing the interview with JR where he had the black guy where, you know, Brett uh-huh. just socked crap at him. So, but that's a little sidebar. But before that, I didn't really remember much. But I've gone back, I've watched it, um, their match at WrestleMania 12, the Iron Man match. Oh, yeah. Great match. Um, oh, man. Uh, fun to watch um they went an hour uh just phenomenal work um even even the screw jaw match is a good match um, yeah really good match yeah but you know what you could feel brett start to turn right then and there yeah at, at the at the wrestlemania 12 yeah um that that's when brett truly turned you know, he, he was doing heelish things in that match. The, we're trying to walk away with the belt and then why and throwing a fit about having to do the, the um, what do you call it, uh, the sudden death and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, so I think they were maybe pushing him towards a turn right there. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's crap the way it had to go down, but it, it ultimately it worked out because, you know, you – you had one of the greatest wrestling feuds of all time, and you had, and for, yep. for our all intents and purposes, the greatest wrestling feud of all time. Yep. Um, both guys played well off each other. Um, great stuff. Can't can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. Um, and they brought out the best in each other. They really did. It was just crazy because they, you know, couldn't even hardly coexist. It's funny. It's funny how wrestling that wrestling does that to people because, you yeah. know, we talked about Edge and Matt Hardy. Yeah, they hated each other. They made the best of it, and now we're talking about Brett and Sean. They hate each other. Yeah, made the best of it. Um, it's man, I'll tell you what I 
I'll tell you what I didn't hate was this podcast. I I love this podcast, man. It was a great. It was a great episode for us. This is a great episode. This is a good episode. We've about an hour and a half. It's got a great content. It didn't really drag on. It was like a Flair Steamboat match, really. You know, it was um, it was engaging, and and we had some great feuds to talk about, and and really just kept it flowing and had some some great conversation, man. I've really enjoyed it. No, I have too. Um... I guess I can tell them next, next up we have, um, I know it was a little late. We got this, we're going to be getting this out, but yeah, I'm going to yeah. edit it down. But, um, next up we have, um, one of, it's a good topic for both of us. Cause we like talking about this. Um, we have our top 10 workers and yes, we are going to have it down to top 10. It's going to be a yep. little bit hard, but we will, yep. we will get that That's list fine. narrowed down. Um, but yeah, top 10 workers is coming up next. Um, can't wait. Can't wait. Interesting names already on the list. Not going to spoil anything, but no, don't um, give me any spoilers. No, no spoilers. But um, our our advertisers want you to hold out. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to give anything away. Nothing. Nothing. Um, But yeah. Good talk. Good talk talking to you, man. Um, Yes, sir. um, As always, uh, I'll see you on the next one. Woo, woo, woo. All right, my brother. You know it. And we'll see you later. All right. We're crossing off. See ya.